True confidence stems from self-acceptance and a respect for others, while narcissism stems from a deep-seated insecurity, an inflation of self, yet also a completely deep-seated insecurity and a lack of empathy. Confident people have gone through hell. They, they have worked through things. They have not given up. They have chosen to not lean into failure and to say, this isn't over, this isn't the end of the story. And I just think that so much of our generation and the generations below have become soft and they haven't really had to fight the good fight. Okay, y'all, I am going in on this episode because I am very passionate about it. So this episode, we are talking about probably like the most asked question. This is at least in the top five that I've been asked over the last 10 years. And that is the difference between confidence, arrogance, and then I'm adding another little speciality, which is narcissism. And why I like these three things juxtaposed together, and I wish I had like a uh, Venn diagram because they really do work well together. Like think of confidence in the middle, arrogance is over here and narcissism is over here. They share commonalities, but they also are vehemently opposing one another on the parts that they do oppose each other. And I think it's really, really important. I was talking with a client earlier today. She's so sweet. Shout out. If you listen to this, you know, I'm talking about you, but she's a teen. She's crushing it. She has her own nonprofit and her goal is to raise six figures for her nonprofit in the first year of existence. It's, it's been alive, if you will, for a month or, or live for a month. And uh, we were talking about her goals. We we're working on her paperwork and, sh- and she all of a sudden gets kind of quiet and, and shrinks back. And she says, well, I'm a little afraid that the judges are going to think that I'm too confident and I don't want to come across as arrogant. Right. And first and foremost, can I just say, guys never talk about this. Guys never think this way. So what is it in the female brain that makes us feel like we need to shrink back for being confident. So can we just like press delete and wipe on that real quick? Like, can I get an amen? Because literally dudes don't ever, like I can't say ever, I guess, and speak for the entire male race, but, or male gender, but like guys don't think like this. And there's something conditioned in female society that I hate that makes us feel like we're being a certain way. We're not being kind. We're not being generous. We're not being loving. We're not being merciful just because we're taking up space. Okay. So if that's been a part of your tradition, I encourage you to challenge that. I encourage you to throw that in the trash. And anyways, in the next five minutes of me coaching her, I I read what I'm about to read to you about the difference between confidence and narcissism specifically. And she starts laughing because it was just like a light bulb went on. She was like, okay, I'm never apologizing for that ever again. Because women are so intuitive, which is beautiful and a God-given gift that we're very perceptive of people's perceptions of us, but we have to make sure that we are not accurately labeling people's perceptions of us, of what we think that they're thinking because of maybe a tradition that we were raised with, or if you're from the South where everyone's like, oh, not me, you go first, honey, you know, and all that kind of, kind of religiosity, legalism, if you will, that can be really damaging for your psyche When in fact, for example, in a pageant interview, this is your 10 minutes to take up space. No one else is going to sell for you. You are the product, you are the service, and you better tell me the features, right? This is your time to shine. And so why do we allow anybody else to take up more space than we do? Or you're allowing assumptions of what judges could speak about you or think about you, which I would say the number one thing that makes women shrink back is somewhere in their brain, they think that the judges are going to think they're arrogant. 
And I'm going to lay this out plain as day today. I almost did this as a mastermind talk because it is so good and so rich with content, but hopefully this uproots this in your brain forever. I can't believe I'm giving this away for free because this is going to set you free. Amen. And I'm so excited about it because I want you to be free and I want you to be your full self and I want you to be exactly who God created you to be. So I'm going to read off some notes because I have a lot of notes and I want to make sure that if we're getting into the psychology of things that we are being real exact. Okay. So narcissism. Okay. That word gets thrown around a lot. Now, not everyone's a narcissist. Hate to break it to you. Every confident person has a little bit of narcissist tendencies in them but it doesn't mean that you're a narcissist. And there's a very clear differential. And this distinction is going to be clear as day in the next two minutes to you. You ready? Strap in. Okay. So key distinction between confidence and narcissism lies in the relationship with the self and others. Okay. So if you're asking yourself, what is the big difference? It is in the relationship to yourself. Okay. Even if they're faking it on the outside, what is actually going on in the interior and then how they perceive and treat others. This is the biggest difference, okay? So when you're confident, you can love yourself and value yourself without devaluing other people. And you can balance your needs with the needs of others, okay? If you need to listen back to this, press the the minus 15 seconds or 10 second thing on YouTube, do that maybe five times until you get this in your head, okay? Confident individuals can hold space and they can value themselves and value others. For example, I'm confident. I walk into a room, I command attention when I need to, when I want to, okay? But that doesn't mean that I have to take something away from someone else. That doesn't mean that I have to devalue and put down my husband to pull myself up or make myself feel better, okay? Now, what's funny is, or what's kind of sad is, you guys are probably hopefully thinking of people that do that really well. And you're also probably thinking of people in your head right now that you're like, "Mm, narcissist, they don't do that. You know, like maybe, maybe the opposite is, is coming into your head as well, which sucks, which, which is really sad. And especially in America where we incentivize narcissism a bit, right? It's just kind of every minute out for themselves, hustle, hustle, hustle. Like, especially like, you know, in my world, in the sales world, entrepreneur world, the world pays off well when you act in the sense of completely just looking out for yourself and not others, right? So the best leaders and confident people, truly confident people can value themselves while valuing other people. They can balance their needs while balancing the needs of others. Okay, let's continue. Narcissists, however, perceive themselves as superior. Again, people probably coming to mind and often disregard the feelings and the needs of others or halfway there to maintain their self-image. Mic drop. I'm going to read that again. Narcissists, however, perceive themselves as superior and often disregard the feelings and needs of others to maintain their self-image. Been around a narcissist or two in my day? Okay, they can manifest in different ways. But here's the thing. Oof, and I like, I feel it in my body right now. (laughs) I can literally feel this, you guys. I could cry. If somebody around you constantly makes you feel the ick, makes you feel yucky inside, makes you feel just something is off, makes you feel like you need to have your guard up, that is a red flag. Great leaders should make you feel safe, even if they intimidate you, even if you're like, oh, there's a difference between like revering someone out of respect, like 
you know, when I've met some of the my mentors in person, there's a level of awe and respect, but I also feel safe. I don't feel like I need to like, watch my words. And here's a big difference too with narcissists. You feel like you need to please them. It's like, okay, I need to, I can't misstep because I need them to like me. I need them to like me. It's this sick, and I believe it's a spiritual thing that you can only get delivered from spiritually. Otherwise, narcissists talk to therapists. Like they just, they don't change 99 times out of 100. They just don't. And there's a reason why they are the way they are is because they have a deeply, deeply, deeply rooted sense of insecurity. That's a whole different podcast. Anyways, lots, lots of strong, powerful women are in relationships with these people and I get to help them get out, which is really beautiful. And I've gotten to do that since it's part of my testimony. But anyways, the biggest difference between confidence is again, can I, can I see myself as valuable? I value myself. But I don't think I'm better than the rest of the world. Like, can I appreciate my talents? Can I appreciate my skills? Can I appreciate my intellect, my empathy? Absolutely, right? But I also love seeing other people crush it, right? Like, I am in the wrong profession. It makes me laugh. As a coach, it is literally my job to disciple and get people results. Like, I'm the best coach in the world if 100% of my clients somehow reproduced exactly after me right? And, and even true discipling is when they surpass you, right? Like I coach somebody and I won Miss Nebraska, they win their state and then they win Miss America, right? And they surpass me. That would be the best thing in the entire world. That would be a true coach, a true discipler of disciples, right? And that's a good indication that if people are winning underneath of me and, and, and my team's winning and my marriage is winning and my, my friends are high caliber people, right? Not that I'm above, but we are equals and I'm learning from them and they're learning from me. That's called a symbiotic relationship, right? A win-win. Then not to pat myself on the back, but great. That's a good sign, right? When other people can win around me. Now, in a different scenario, if there's always one queen bee and everybody else or king, kingpin, everybody else around them doesn't really speak. They can't really look people in the eye. Or it's just a bunch of other pretenders, but clearly there's one alpha in the group and it's what they say goes. And there's this element of fear that comes in. It's the spirit of fear. And everybody else's self-image has to take a hit for their self-image. And there's comments where people just say things out of their mouth and you're like, does this person not understand how this is being perceived? Or they're just really sneaky in other ways and maybe how they act in front of the public is very different than how they act to you in private, which was a lot of my case in my relationship. There's a bunch of different faces and masks of narcissists, but they are, they are the master manipulator. They are the person that knows what mask to put on at what time to protect themselves as superior, as the person who knows the most, who has the most, who does the most. And they will take down whoever they need to take down, but how they do it is oftentimes subtle to the naked eye. And so I say this because... 99% of you don't have to worry about this. Like probably if you're listening to a self-development podcast trying to grow, (laughs) like don't worry about this. And so again, I made my client laugh because I was like, do you love other people? She's like, yeah. Well, did you start a nonprofit for yourself or did you start it for other people? Other people? Are you trying to save the world? Yes, literally she is trying to save the world. (laughs) Like all these things and we're laughing, but I'm like, Again, do you see how hard you're being on yourself? Do you see how you are potentially limiting your potential and your capacity to lead with greatness and to have other people follow you and to make a real impact because you're so worried about this thing that's that you're not even close to. Like you love people, you're full of empathy, you love building other people up, you know? And you very much 
know how to balance the needs of yourself with other people. And so what's interesting is, is confident people and narcissistic people both involve a strong sense of self, but they differ greatly, kind of like Enneagram types, right? Like several very extroverted, strong Enneagram types, several introverted, more reserved Enneagram types. But the way, like two people could be doing the same thing, but the reason why they do that thing is completely different, right? So think of it kind of like this too. Like two people could technically be both giving giving a dynamic speech, right? Or doing whatever they do, but they do it for completely different reasons. One's manipulation and one is for the good of everybody in a win-win situation. So the strong sense of self is at the core. Like I said, that's kind of the um, Venn diagram, but they differ greatly in their source, their expression, and ultimately their impact, and especially their long-term impact on interpersonal relationships, right? Like if you actually study a narcissist for a long time, relationships have an ending point. Like there are not people that stay with them for a super long time. And I've watched this now for a very long time, right? So if people don't want to hang out with you, your friend groups are constantly changing. They're constantly blaming everything on other people, or they always have a, a way to talk themselves out of why they got fired from that position or why something didn't work out, but they won't actually be vulnerable and real about their part in the situation and what they did. That was actually incorrect and, and finding fault or they'll find some way to manipulate it and still make it somebody else's fault. And so again, to encourage you guys, that is so not where most of you guys are. Confidence, true confidence stems from self-acceptance and a respect for others, while narcissism stems from a deep-seated insecurity, okay, an inflation of self, yet also a completely deep-seated insecurity and a lack of empathy, okay? Understanding these differences can absolutely set you free, and they will help you to cultivate a healthy self-esteem, self-talk, and also avoid the pitfalls and be able to have like yellow flags, you know, guarding your heart, guarding your mind, guarding your friendships. You know, unfortunately, if you take a, a lot of people and you're in a room with 50 people, probably one of them is going to have, you know, have or be a narcissist. And so if you can start to notice the warning signs, not so that we can label people, not so that, you know, not so that you'd ever call somebody out on that necessarily, but you can know who you want to surround yourself with in your life. And also, even if you're doing a pageant, which is why we're talking about this here, if somebody makes you have a certain feeling, like it's not always narcissism. It might be an insecurity in you that you just need to work on, right? We all have our stuff. It's And, and so make sure that you're not just blaming and pointing the finger saying, oh, well, this is their problem every single time. It might be your problem. And we, we might need to heal and grow and work through some things, right? But I want to make sure that I make this a, a clear definition so that for those of you guys who are really just in the perfect position to be confident, you don't need anything else to give you permission except for yourself, I want to demystify and debunk this fear forever and ever and ever. And I think this is going to be one of our most watched podcasts because I literally get this question every single day. So before we move on to arrogance, confidence, okay, here are just a different a different way to kind of put this of other kind of highlights of the difference of narcissism. Okay. So again, narcissism from like a top level is self-focused. Confidence is not. Confidence can be others, others focused. It can place focus on everybody. And typically you have empathy. So you have concern for the needs of others. Okay. And remember though, like narcissism actually is rooted in a very deep and lowly consideration of somebody. So whether their self-concept is positive or negative, the fact is, is that they're thinking about themselves 24-7. You know what I mean? So like pay more attention to do they only think of themselves 
don't let them trick you with even the woe is me. Like they could actually present a very negative self-image, but it's still all about them <laughs> regardless. You know what I mean? Number two, narcissism craves affirmation while confidence does not seek to prove itself. I got a couple people coming to my mind right now. <laughs> I'm just like, let's put them in the back. So everyone needs encouragement to grow and thrive, but a person who is truly confident will not require continual affirmation of others for their emotional stability. Confidence, in essence, is the ability to establish an emotional equilibrium regardless of other opinions. But it's really important to distinguish between narcissistic traits and behaviors and narcissistic personality disorder as well. It's normal to want encouragement, approval, or attention from other people at different times. Someone with low confidence might seek attention or approval from others and their sense of worth heavily relies on other people's opinions. That doesn't necessarily mean that they are a narcissist or they have narcissistic personality disorder. And surprisingly, narcissists, narcissists actually tend to be very hyper aware of what others think because it's always in a reflection to them. Even though this disorder can make somebody come across as aloof, disconnected, or unconcerned about others' opinions, but a person with this disorder often lacks the ability to perceive their innate worth, which is why I believe that it can only really truly be healed with Jesus since their identity needs to be in him. And so because of that, and until that surrendered to the Lord, this person constantly is craving this continual affirmation from everybody around them. And so just be on the lookout for that. And if you're dating somebody and you're not married yet, break up with them because that's not going to be fun in marriage and it's not worth it. And I promise you can get free. Been there. Okay, three, narcissism exploits others. Confidence lifts others up. Okay. I'm not apologizing for this. I will not say sorry because it's so important to be black and white about this. It is so important. Confidence takes genuine excitement. It gets pleasure from seeing others grow and achieve their goals. Like I said, a true coach makes disciples. A truly confident individual will look for their opportunities to inspire achievement and success in others. And that's because true confidence is not threatened by another's success, but quite oppositely is energized by it right? That is like the best way to describe my life. Conversely, narcissism is rooted in deep insecurity and tends to perceive another success as threatening. Can I get an amen? Moreover, if left unchecked, narcissism can drive one to do almost anything to get ahead, even if that means exploiting and walking over others. Yeah. Number four, narcissism avoids blame while confidence is willing to admit fault. Pretty point blank. Like I said, they will skirt and manipulate and gaslight and rewrite history. They will make you question your memory as opposed to, and, and here's another thing. If you're like terrified to bring something up to somebody, they could be a narcissist. It also could be you, right? Again, check yourself if that's like a natural tendency to you and you just think everyone's against you, might be something you need to work on. But if there's somebody that's carrying like a spirit and an energy that you're just like, like it's like a hot pan and you just don't want to touch it because everything sets them off, that could be, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't be close friends with that person, just being honest. So a true leader can be corrected. A true person can say, you know what? I was wrong. I did this wrong. And I remember I used to struggle with that so much in my abusive relationship because I was so terrified to be vulnerable around that person. And it's because I believe they were a narcissist. And so I was just so terrified of like every move that I made. And I was on edge all the time walking on eggshells because I couldn't be, I couldn't let my guard down because it was always just like, I didn't know what was going to happen, you know, poking the bear. And now like in my current relationship in my marriage, it's like Landon and I, it's so easy to apologize to Landon. It's so easy to say, Hey babe, I was wrong. Cause I know he's not going to be like, told you so. And I'm so awesome. And you're not, nah, nah, nah. he's just going to be like, you know what, babe, thanks for saying that. I really appreciate that. And I love you. And I know you're working on it. 
and communication can flow like a like a well, you know, back to he and I, and it's awesome. So uh, narcissists will never admit fault. Don't even try arguing with them. Like I said, there has to be a very deep spiritual transformation, I believe, for people to change because to them, admitting fault feels really threatening and they will just deny everything. Part five, okay, narcissism breeds narrow-mindedness while confidence breeds perspective. So a true sign of healthy self-confidence is the ability to look at any given situation from another person's vantage point. Simply put, healthy self-confidence allows an individual to see oneself as they really are and as somebody that is a small part of a bigger picture. So people who are narcissists see themselves as the center of a much smaller picture because they have an inflated yet deflated sense of self. Yeah, it's a mystery. Individuals with this disorder often deem their subjective experiences as ultimate reality, creating a much smaller capacity to take into account another's experience or perspective. So quite literally, it is their world and we live in it. And they take up 99% of the space and the only 1% that has room for anybody else is enough to communicate enough where people listen to them enough where they can just talk about themselves, you know? It's just, it's so short-sighted which is why they can't maintain relationships for any long period of time. Like, it's just, it's just a thing. So anyways, they're incredibly self-absorbed and that's why they're very, 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 very hard people to be around. So the best way to navigate this, and I had to go to therapy over this, is like, you literally can't argue with them. You can't change them. They have to want to change. And like I said, most secular psychologists will tell you that they can't change. Now, I believe in the redemption of Jesus And, you know, I know several people that have had, like, that I knew pre-Jesus and after Jesus and, like, literally you look into their eyes and it's a different person. But they're, like, you think about it, they have to surrender the one thing that makes them feel safe, which is their self-centeredness, and lay that down and surrender. And so it's a very hard thing, which is why most people don't do it. And so it doesn't happen 99 times out of 100, you know, and that's where we need Jesus to help us root out the ugliest part of us. And it literally says old has passed away. Behold, all has come new, but that person has to take the first step. So that's the difference between narcissism and confidence. And let's move into confidence versus arrogance, the subtle difference. Okay. So again, thinking of the Venn diagram, if confidence is in the middle, the traits of usually high achievement, the traits of self, like confidence in general, right? And then now we've gone over, think of it as like over here, the the yucky parts. Confidence and arrogance is kind of like the opposite of this in in certain ways, okay? So confidence is a positive quality that stems from a deep belief in oneself and one's abilities, the ability to trust your own judgment skills, knowledge, and allowing you to approach challenges with a sense of self-assuredness. Confident individuals have a realistic understanding of their strengths and weaknesses, and they are comfortable acknowledging both. Big deal. They embrace challenges as opportunities for growth, and demonstrate resilience in the face of adversity, okay? Now, we could have a whole nother circle, maybe below confidence of like, just a lack of confidence, no personality disorder, no, you know, imbalance that way. They just haven't developed this confidence. And a lot of times what that comes down to is integrity, the ability to keep one's word, resiliency, or whether you're a wuss when things get tough. Just being honest, like if you study people during World War One, World War Two, like what they had to do, people who have lived through the Great Depression, people who live through really hard times, we've never had it easier than right now in America, which is why I believe we have a mental health epidemic, which is why I believe that so many people are unhappy or they perceive that they're unhappy. They perceive, you know, all these things is because if we're being honest, millennials and Gen Zers, we haven't had to go through anything that hard. 
The pandemic was definitely the hardest thing that we've ever had to walk through. And look what happened. Mental health went to crap because we had never had to go through something really that difficult. We thought that we did, right? And I'm not talking about your individual family situation. Some of you guys come from really tough places. I'm really not talking to you. But for the majority of Americans that were raised into, let's say, a middle-class family that was like pretty normal, I think a lot of people, oh, you know, poor me, I scraped my knee, band-aid, like blah, blah, blah. It's this trophy, you know, culture where everybody gets a trophy. And, you know, we think about 100 years ago, and if you were 18, like you were going to war. You were literally protecting our country. And not to get dramatic about that, but you think about that, like confident people have gone through hell. They, they have worked through things. They have not given up. They have chosen to not lean into failure and to say, this isn't over. This isn't the end of the story. And I just think that so much of our generation and the generations below have become soft and they haven't really had to fight the good fight. You know what I mean? And so the, the second that, you know, you don't win your pageant on the first try or, you know, you actually have to go get a sponsor. You just have to try hard at something that isn't easy. The first, the second, the third, the fourth, or the fifth time, you have a wishbone a lot bigger than your backbone. And it's why people fail. It's why people quit. And it's just because we we have a much softer society than we used to, right? There's obviously tons of benefits. I'm so glad that I'm living today, right? Rather than a hundred years ago and all of that, right? And there, of course, life has its other challenges and Social media didn't exist and it's poisoning people's brains nowadays. I get it. Like, I get that we have other challenges, but the point is, is that a strong work work ethic and the ability to build resistance and resilience, sorry, resilience is not inherent to a lot of people today. And part of that is a parenting issue. I mean, there's a million reasons, right? It's a different podcast, but I want to let you know, like, if you want to win in life, like, you're going to have to learn how to face face adversity and become resilient. Your backbone's going to have to become a lot bigger than your wishbone and, you're going to have to learn how to be a servant leader that is emotionally stable through hard times that decides that they're never going to give up because life doesn't get easier and it doesn't get less busy. It gets busier and harder. <laughs> it's just that you get stronger and that God equips the called. He gives you your calling and then he equips you along the way. He says, go. He points at a general direction and you got to figure it out. You got to walk and God will reveal as a lamp into your feet and light into your path the steps along the way, but he doesn't give you the end destination perfectly and say, oh, here are all the things that are going to happen along the way. He just says, go, and you got to go. And it's the same thing for your call and your destiny and whatever you're pursuing right now. And it's your job to equip yourself with the word and equip yourself with the knowledge, the skills, the mentorship, the people to make sure that you have enough energy to reach your destination, right? And willpower alone is not going to do it. It's a, it's a huge part of it because when you have vision, it's easier to be motivated when I know what I'm fighting for and my why. But that's also where we need other people, other teammates, other coaches to help us get there and a strong sense of identity, which is where everything's rooted. So I'll get off that soapbox. Okay. Confidence, last part. Confidence is rooted in a genuine sense of self-worth that is not dependent on external validation. We've talked about that, okay? On the other hand, arrogance manifests as an inflated self sense of self-importance, so narcissism and arrogance share this, and superiority, so it manifests that way. Arrogant individuals often exaggerate their abilities, exaggerate their achievements or knowledge to assert dominance over others. They also tend to belittle or dismiss the contributions and opinions of others, assuming that their own perspective is always superior. Arrogance is fueled by a need for constant validation and a desire to maintain an elevated status, often at the expense of others. Unlike confidence, arrogance is driven by insecurity and a fear of being exposed as inadequate. Okay, so obviously very some similar things with narcissism, but here's the key difference. Arrogance is not a personality disorder. What I have found with people that present 
as arrogant is it is an insecurity. How do I want to describe this? But there's a different spirit behind it. It's more like someone's a jerk, but it can be, it can be worked on. It's more so peacocking rather than a deep-seated thing in their identity that makes, that presents, that, that makes you afraid, okay? Narcissism is nine times out of ten going to produce fear in you and you're going to feel that spiritually. Like when somebody who's a narcissist walks into the room, it's like there's this bowing almost that, that the humble person in you is like, okay, yeah, there's this energy and I got to be on my toes and it, and it like literally makes me catch my breath sometimes. Arrogance is more of like the annoying car salesman that won't shut up that actually didn't prepare and is just filibustering and you're like, can you just stop talking? Okay. And in reality, it's like they're talking twice as much as they're listening and it's just really annoying. Okay. So some will say that they don't have empathy. Some will, some people will, I think, very much confuse arrogance as narcissism. And again, I, I, I think they're cousins. I think they have a lot of similarities. Arrogant people can be dismissive. Arrogant people can be belittling. But again, think of it as like two strong personality types who do what they do for different reasons, even though they're doing the same thing. So an arrogant person walks into a test and didn't study thinking that they're going to kill it and thinking that they can talk their way out of it. But in reality, the only one who doesn't see that they're drowning is them and everybody else can see it around them, right? That person though, out of their pursuit for greatness, might hire a coach who is able to really speak into their life, who's able to say, hey, I know your heart's in the right place. Just letting you know, this is what got you to this level, but this will not get you to your next level. And there needs to be an element of this breaking of self and the surrender to actually get you to a true place of leadership. Do you want to be a true leader? And oftentimes what I found with people that maybe started off a little arrogant is they just needed somebody that was a true leader and somebody that could make them feel safe to care for them and to come alongside of them that could match their energy in terms of they they respected this mentor, they respected this person enough to listen, right? So very high-powered alpha males, even alpha females, right? Like I, I can think of two or three instances, actually one or two instances in my 10 years of coaching where I took on a client that I really shouldn't have. And I, I think of it as like a stallion, like they're just a bucking stallion. They're a really, really powerful horse. They could be a great horse to ride. They could have tons of competition potential, but they've got to stop bucking or else everyone's just going to see them bucking. Even though they think that they're running in a straight line, the horse is just bucking, 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 right? And we can all see it. And really that person's just super uncomfortable. That horse is really uncomfortable with a rider on its back, right? Or whatever. They don't like taking direction. They like doing their own thing. They're strong. Look how strong I am. Look how wild I am, right? That's an amazing analogy for what an arrogant person is. But we know that some of the best horse trainers in the world, and it does take the best horse trainers in the world, can can get that horse into submission, right? And finally, that horse becomes a very productive member of the ranch or competition horse or whatever, right? That is like the, and that was totally the Holy Spirit that just gave me that analogy, but that is absolutely the best definition of arrogance that I can think of. It's not that you should look at that horse and say, oh, that, that horse is just a goner. There's no potential, right? That's what I would describe as a narcissist. They're a lot farther gone, but the arrogant person, I think, just is pro was probably had bad parenting. There's probably a father or a mother wound of some kind there. And they need to feel safe enough to actually lean into their vulnerability, work on their weaknesses, share, and, and acknowledge their weaknesses, and then build those things up and to realize that they don't need to be loud and ah and bucking, right? And just 
faking it and lording that over people like and just maybe they don't know that they don't have to tear people down to be to to be able to feel validated right they might have a spirit of rejection on them where they feel like they need to reject everybody else because they because they were rejected as a child and so now you got to be strong and now I got to be the first I got to be the best right and and it's just it's just like ah you know kind of an energy but it's it's very different than a narcissist because arrogant people I mean, they might say a rude comment and you're like, eh, that's kind of a jerk thing to say. Like, I don't really like him, right? Like, oh, there's Steve over there who always does blah, 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 right? Or he makes it like he makes a snide comment and then it's <laughs> and like he thinks he's funny when in reality, like everybody just thinks you're a jerk because that was a really rude thing to say and he has no awareness, right? But that can be coached. That That usually is just an awareness thing. So that is the best way that <laughs> I can differentiate these things. And all this to say, you guys, self-awareness is so important. This is where, again, it starts with being, having your identity rooted and grounded in love, which God is love. So if you don't know God, you truly don't know love. You know conditional love, but you don't know unconditional love, right? So it starts with leaning into the Father and saying, God, make my heart that of love. Transform me into the image of your dear son. Make me more like you. Make me more like Jesus, the person who died for the entire world for me because of how much you loved me. If I can have 1% of that, if I can exude 1% of your character, let it be that of love. So that as I'm growing in my leadership journey, as I'm growing in my dreams and my passions, that that love can extend upon other people and that judges would feel that while I'm interviewing and people would feel that on stage. People would feel that with every word that I speak, with my eye contact, with the way that I walk, the way that I talk. You guys, I did this because I had to, <laughs> you know, 10 years ago, I was at a, an impasse. I was at a point where I knew I had a lot of potential, but I didn't, I didn't have the answer. And I had to let God unravel me so that he could put me back together and remove the scar. And that's just my, my call to action for you guys today is that, you know, whatever place you're in, I, and maybe you don't have a relationship with the Lord at all, I just encourage you to reach out and just say, Jesus, it's been a minute. It's been a second since we've talked, but I want to figure this thing out. And God, I give you my life. Take my life and do something with it. You know, the Bible says that if we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that salvation is made unto men. So all you have to say is just, Jesus, I repent. I, I turn. There's no condemnation. No condemnation. All love. But just repentance just means to turn. It just says, God, I repent for everything that I've done. Maybe I even screwed up five minutes ago. Maybe I flipped somebody off in the car. Maybe I chewed out my mom on the phone. But God, make my heart more like you. I accept you as Savior. I believe that you died on the cross. I thank you that you washed away my sins and that I'm a new creation right now. And Jesus, I just ask that you'd fill my heart, fill my heart with your love and make me more like you. Help me to figure out the expression of my identity and my personality, your way of that, not my way. I'm done with doing it my way. I'm, I'm striving. I've come to the end of my rope and I'm tired. You know, it's exhausting to do things in your own strength. And so God, I lay down my personality. I lay down my habits. I lay down the good things, the bad things, the ugly things about me. And I ask that you'd purify it and that you, you, the Bible says he brings it through fire and anything that's not of him, you can ask that be burned away and bound forever. And that's laid down in Jesus. When he forgives your sins, he never brings them up ever again. He doesn't just forget them. It's literally that he burns them away and that he did that for you with his blood on the cross. So that even if you tried to bring it up, he's like, what sin? What, what do you mean you did something last week? It's not even like he forgets them. They just don't even exist anymore. Literally. That's the thing that people don't realize. Your sins just literally don't even exist anymore. They're completely washed away. And unfortunately, some people who say that they're Christians will try and bring your sins back up to you. And that's not fair. That's not biblical. Because Jesus said that they washed away. And he said, 
he said, who, who do I, who, who basically hasn't sinned? Neither do I condemn you, right? So I've sinned, you've sinned, we've all, we've all screwed up. We've all said horrible things, done horrible things, right? And Jesus is like, baby girl, just come to me. I promise you I'm safe. I promise you I'll never let you go. I promise you my love is unconditional. I will never love you one day and then say, oh, no, sorry, you've reached the limit. You screwed up too bad. He just doesn't do that. There's, there's no give and take. It's all, hey, give yourself to me and I'll give you all of, I've already given you all of me. God's just waiting for you to extend your hand back for what he's done for you. So I pray that this awakens some things in you today. And God's got an amazing plan for your life, your future, your hopes, and your dreams. And God can redeem anything. So I just, I pray that you guys would have a sharpening to make right decisions for the people in your life. And I pray that this would be a catapulting for you, for your next season and who God's created you to be because you're awesome and you're worth it.